Well, uh, we're getting ready for Christmas. And what we're going to do at around Christmas time is we're going to start looking through one of the Gospels, uh, the Gospel of Matthew. And we're going to take a look at the Gospel of Matthew as Matthew speaks of the birth of Jesus at, as we celebrate that at Christmas time to the resurrection of Jesus, which we celebrate uh, Easter. And so for those few months there, we'll be looking through Matthew and reading through it together as we've been doing. And we're taking the time these few weeks before Christmas or before we start Matthew to talk about Abraham or what's God doing here at the beginning. And, and the reason why is because in Matthew, it speaks, it starts by talking about Abraham. And the point of talking about Abraham is that this gospel that is being preached, it, it wasn't just starting right then. It wasn't something new. This is something that God has been talking about. Uh, Paul brings this out in Galatians. He points out to this passage that we're looking at today, and he says in Galatians 3 that what God was doing was he was preaching the gospel to Abraham, preaching the gospel to us through Abraham, preaching the gospel to other people around Abraham, that, that this is what the story is about. It's about God preaching the gospel. And, and so as we read through the Old Testament, what we saw, it, it's not that there was, you get to the gospels, you get to Jesus, and all of a sudden everything changes and it's something new. It's not that. It's the gospel that he's been preaching, that same message that Jesus preached, he's been preaching throughout the entire Bible. And, and so as a preparation to looking at the clearest uh, uh, thing that we have to look at concerning the gospel, which is Jesus, we're going to take a look at, as Matthew said, points to Abraham, or in this case, Abram, because his name hadn't been changed. Now, as we look through it, the question that we'll be asking is, is how is God preaching the gospel in this story? And how is it in these early, early stages in Genesis, in fact, last week we started by looking at the Tower of Babel, that after the, the flood, God, uh, basically the whole world was condemned. The whole world was deserving of death, but out of the world, God saved some. He saved Noah. And, and in that salvation, God didn't just save them, God gave them a blessing. And, and the blessing that God gave them was pointing to Jesus. Now, the blessing was attached to a, a calling. In other words, that the way that the blessing was going to work out for them was according to their calling. And what their calling was defined as at that point was to populate the whole world. And what we saw last week is that as they entered into that calling, they started moving from the east together as one family. There was an aspect of that calling that they just didn't want to uh they just didn't want that part to happen. And, and the part that they didn't want to happen was they didn't, in their words, want to be scattered throughout the whole earth. And, and so as the gospel is preached, here's what it means to us. It's not just being saved. Being saved is good enough. But God gives more than that. He gives us a calling or a blessing that is worked out through our calling. And so as each one of us comes to believe in Jesus, and this goes for us as people, and it goes for us as a church, that attached to this saving is a calling that each one of us has. 
and there's a calling for us as a church. And how that calling we saw got worked out last week was that there was an aspect of that, that there was something about their calling that they just didn't want to let go of, this sense of togetherness that they had. And God, in his graciousness, what happened was he confused their languages. And the story talks about how it was that the earth became repopulated. It wasn't so much because they saw their calling and they went out and did it. They saw their calling and they resisted it for a long time. But in God's graciousness, he made it happen and he confused their languages. And then in the next chapter, what we see is that he spreads out those families according to the languages, but the languages, it seems, are attached to their family units, that the three sons of Noah go in different directions. One son goes uh, westward, and it says to the coast, and the, there's a coastland people, and, and then goes down, you know, through Syria into Israel, or as it was known back then, it came to be known as Canaan, one of the sons of grandsons of Noah, into Egypt, which is, again, the Hebrew word is, a, it's one of the grandsons of Noah, and, and populate that. One of the sons goes up to the north, up into Turkey, uh, that area of Greece heads up into that direction. Uh, another son goes to the east, and his family goes uh, into Persia and, and heads out to populate from that eastern direction. And there are languages that are associated, and it's broken down, and you can see it in this chapter, talks about that expansion. But it begins with their calling. It was a blessing that was given to them, but the calling happened through, it began with something that they really didn't want to let go of, and God had to kind of pry it out of their hands. And it was for their good, but it began with something that they had to let go of, and, and that's how we see it's going to be a continuous theme all the way into Matthew when Jesus calls the disciples that there's things that we just do not want to let go of. But our calling is pulling us away from those things. And this is how it starts. It says, uh, the Lord said to Abram. Now, this when it says the Lord said, this is kind of breaking into the middle because the uh, Right there at the end of chapter 11, it talks about Abram and his family, his father and everything, left Ur of the Chaldeans and started moving in that westward direction, moving from the east. And they, they settled after they had started to move. And it says that they were going, they were heading to the land of Canaan. And, and there's no record of God telling them anything. But in Joshua, God makes clear, he says that he was the one who was pulling Abram during that time. That they were moving as a family unit, and people referred to it as sort of an inward calling. That there was just, they didn't have something like the word of God that was telling them to do it. They didn't have something concrete. There was just something inside of Abram that he knew he was being drawn towards the land of Canaan. And for each one of us, there's a calling on our life, and it oftentimes starts with just a feeling that we have inside of us, and it may or may not be all that defined. But you know what I'm talking about. There's something that's inside of you that, that you know is something you're being pulled towards, some sort of calling. 
and your blessing is about that calling. The blessing that God has for you in your life, as we see the greatness of who you are in your life, is being drawn, and it starts there. And for us as a church, it's the same way. There's just things that we feel as a church that may not be all that clear. We may not be able to voice it. We may not be able to put it down into writing, but there's something that's there. And and then you see here in this verse, it says, the Lord said. And then in verse 7, you see, the Lord appeared. And so what you see is we have this blessing on us. This blessing is about our calling. This is the gospel being preached to us, that we're saved, and as we're saved, a blessing is given to us, and that blessing is about a calling, and that calling starts with something inside and then becomes confirmed and made clear and clear. In other words, this, to the land that I will show you, it's clearly talking about Canaan that was talked earlier at the end of chapter 11, and it's that calling. It's not so much that it's changing or that we don't know where we're going. It's just that it becomes, we become encouraged in it. We become strengthened in it as that showing of the Lord, that relationship deepens and God starts to come to us in more in a con- more and more concrete way and makes things more and more clear that that showing is, is a progression that we come into. And so what's happening when the gospel is preached to us is that we're given a blessing We're given a calling as people and as a church, and it's moved forward as God makes it more and more clear. But then he says to Abram, the first thing he says concerning that calling is he says something that you wouldn't really think about. He says, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. He doesn't even say to the land of Canaan, even though in chapter 11, it says the land of Canaan. And it's been the land of Canaan has been pointed to since that, the curse that Noah gave one of his sons. What's being highlighted is not that we know where it is that we're going. What's being highlighted is that whatever it is we know, we only know it because God has shown it to us. Whatever Jesus has shown, whatever Jesus is making clear, and we may or may not know. There's lots of different varieties of what we may know about where it is that we may think that we know. Where, but what we know is whatever it is that Jesus shows us. And the beginning of going down that path to grab a hold of our blessing, to to fulfill, to have the calling, to live in the calling that is a part of the gospel for us and for us as a church is what's being highlighted here at the very beginning where he says, go from your country, your people, your father's household. In other words, there's something that needs to be let go of. And this is something that's common. It goes all the way through. We'll see it with the disciples. There's this sense of loss. There's no indication that, well, in Joshua, it does say that what he's pulling them from is his father and his countrymen who did not worship God. So that there is a sense that there's something wrong here. But there's no indication that Abram had done anything wrong to have to go. Sometimes we associate this loss as in something was done wrong, and so now I've lost this. That's not the case here in this story. 
That's not the gospel being preached. The gospel being preached is it changes things so that now the loss of something or being pulled away from something is actually the beginning of something. It's the beginning of good news. It's not the beginning of bad news. Whatever it is that we feel a loss of, we can hold to that as the beginning of something new, something fresh, something that becomes the core of who we are. It changes it. There's no reason for us to see loss or change and being pulled away from something as bad news. It's good news. It's an indication that God is doing something. That's what it looks like when the gospel is being preached to us. That's what it looks like when God is taking us into a place of blessing, taking us down the road of our calling, is there will be things that we're going to have to let go of. Now, there's lots of things when we say that, people think, yeah, I'm more than ready to let go of that. It's like every time we've moved, we have all this trash that gets placed somewhere else, and I'm happy about that. It's not that that he's talking. There's no indication that Abram wanted to let go of any of this stuff. In fact, what it was, the country, the place, the people, the, his father's household, that is all something that for 10 generations God had been placing him there with that. It's an indication. That's why we started with Babel. It was actually something that God was doing to place them in. So this isn't, but it's a change now in what God is doing for him. It's a change that brings him personally in this group, this church, you might say, local church, into the calling that they have for him. And, and so the first point is just this. What does the gospel mean when it's preached? It means God's taking us somewhere. And what does it look like when God takes us somewhere? It often means that we're going to have to let go of something that we just really don't want to let go of. And what might those things be that we just don't want to let go of? He starts off with saying, your country. In other words, he's talking about a place. Sometimes we have to let go of a place. Um, you know, you may see, you may have lost your house and see that as bad news. Not necessarily. It might be the beginning of something new that God is taking us to. Oftentimes for churches, there's a, a loss of the place where they've been worshiping. In, in a sense, we, we've kind of, we're no longer able to worship where we were at. And so there's a certain sense of loss. That's not necessarily bad news. It's the indication. It's what it would look like if God was moving us. Without that change, we wouldn't have, have that indication. But now because we have a change of place, it's an indication that, that God is moving us somewhere. It could be loss of work. We see that as a bad thing. It's not necessarily, it's not that where you worked before was necessarily bad or, or that God, it's just that now God is doing something fresh for us. And that involves some, oftentimes, sometimes it's like, well, I'm glad I lost that job. But a lot of times it's like, no, I actually wanted that job. Don't be stressed. The point is, 
be encouraged. These things that are oftentimes scary where we just feel like our life and our identity and everything that God has been doing up to this point is wrapped around this package that looks like this, and now that's being pulled away from us. That's okay. This is what God has been saying from the beginning. It's actually good news to us. It's the God, That's what the gospel is. It's good news being preached to us. The, what is the good news? That God is taking us down a path that he will show us. Jesus will show us where he's taking us. And this is just what it looks like at the beginning of that new journey. It says, your people, sometimes that loss is, you have this sense of these are my people. <laughs> and God takes you to a group of people that, that's different than that. Sometimes it's your father's household, the sense of family, that core type thing. There's loss in a lot of different senses, and we view it as loss, but it's not loss. The best way to view it is God is taking us to something. He says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Or now, one person who understands the Hebrew better than I translates it. Actually, if you look at it, there's a break there that it's, and I will make your name great, so you will be a blessing. In other words, there's these this sense of, he says, that he's going to make you a great nation. He's going to bless you. He's going to make your name great. In other words, there's this, and the word blessing uh, means, when he says, I will bless you, it means all that is good in our life is coming from God. And all that is protecting us from evil is coming from God. So there's this sense of the good that's in our life, the protection from evil that's in our life, and, and whatever it is that makes us great. He's saying all this is happening so that we will be a blessing. And people argue about what that means, um, that we have are given all of this so that we can become a blessing. And oftentimes the way that that's viewed is that God gives me like a hundred dollars. And because God has given me a hundred dollars, now I can give this person $10 and be a blessing to him. We view it in those types of ways that, that we say, because God has given me so much, now I can be a blessing. And we think of the blessing being in terms of that something that God has given me, now I'm giving to them. And we often think of it in terms of, I have a bunch of cash, now I can give some cash. I have a bunch of food, now I can give some food. The problem is that doesn't fit with the wording here. <laughs> and it, it certainly doesn't fit with the story of Abraham. The probably uh, one person pointed out that the this statement is phrased again in Zechariah, and it, it's a clear indicator of what it is that God is getting at. He says, he says to Israel, "You've been a curse." In other words, you've messed up, and you're suffering the consequences of messing up. And so people look at you, and what they see is the curse. What's the curse? It's that you messed up and you did something wrong. So, so they look at you and they see in your life, well, here's someone who's just totally messed up. 
And, and so, you know, we better try hard to not be like them. We better try hard to do the right thing, which trying hard to do the right thing never ends up getting us the blessing that we want. It ends up just us, if there's a blessing and a curse that's attached to our what we do, when people see us and see the curse that's there, we've messed up. And so we're getting something that we deserve. When they see that happening, all they see is this blessing, the curse, which they hope will be a blessing for them, but never ends up being a blessing because we always end up failing just like everybody else. It ends up just being a curse to people. But God changes the tone. He says to Israel, but I will save you. Therefore, you will be a blessing. <laughs> In other words, what it is that's the blessing is not God's giving me $100, and so now I'm going to give $10 to someone else. That may or may not happen, and that's fine. It's not that there isn't something that's there. Just that's not what's being talked about right here. What's being talked about right here is that here's what our greatness is. It is not that I have $100. That has nothing to do with greatness. There is zero indication that Abram went into the land and was a blessing to anyone in the land by giving them anything that he had. That just didn't happen with Abram, that he wasn't a blessing in that type of way. So how was Abram a blessing to the people in the land when he came in? This is how he was a blessing. He came in and he had left. The things that had been taken away from him left him in a place of vulnerability. He didn't have the protection of his countrymen. He didn't have the, the uh, knowing what the place is, what the customs are, how to navigate that, how to work my angles. He didn't have any of that. If you've ever moved to a new place, you know that there's a way that, that people survive and a way that people work, that they work sort of all the angles in a certain area, and it all changes. He didn't have any of that. In other words, what they saw about Abraham was not something that they wanted to be. No one wanted to be Abram because Abram was just wandering around in a tent. They had stability. They had protection in, in who it was. What they saw in Abraham was the absence of that. And in a sense, that would be a curse. Why did this guy leave? Or why did... But what they saw was that even though he was in this place of vulnerability, he kept getting saved. And what they saw was the salvation of God coming to him in this vulnerable place. The journey that God is taking us on, the greatness that God is taking us to, is about the great way in which God is continually saving us. And the blessing that we have to give to others is when they see that great salvation that we have. It's not tied to them seeing something that they would want to be concerning us. They wouldn't want to be us. And we don't want them to be us. No one wants it to be. But the journey that God is taking us down is one where, because of the situation with Abraham, the salvation of God was seen clearly. And so it how did it bless the people that were watching? Not by, I want to be Abraham, but it caused them to change the perspective and say, I had thought that my salvation was based on my country, my people, my father's household, and my rootedness in this, and the things that I have been building around me. I had thought that that was where my salvation was coming from. But I see this other guy now who's completely detached from all that in this place of vulnerability, 
and yet he's being saved. Good things are being poured into his life apart from all that. Salvation is we're going to see with Abram if we have time to look through it. He's constantly being saved apart from all that. And so it is a blessing because it causes people to see or pursue something different. So that they see this and they say, well, I had thought that I was do this, but maybe what I'm experiencing, the good in my life is actually due to the exact same thing as Abram. Maybe the salvation that I've been experiencing is due to the exact same thing of Abram. And what is that? That is the love that God has for us. It's a salvation. It's a blessing because the Bible says it causes people to start calling upon the name of the Lord. How is God preaching the gospel to us? It oftentimes starts with a change. It oftentimes starts with change, and then later, when it's something new, it goes back again, another change. Change is not bad. Change is a part of God leading us, God, God taking us to a place where he will show us. Does it involve us becoming great in the eyes of everybody else? No, the opposite of that. It involves God taking us to a place in a way that no one would want to be like us, but they sure want to be saved like us. That what attracts people, what the greatness of who we are is not who we are. It's the salvation that people see falling on us. And that is true greatness. Why? Because that is the only thing that's going to change someone's life. That is the only thing that's going to point us, point people. That is the gospel. It's pointing to Jesus, to the permanent solution. Having $100, giving someone, that doesn't solve anything. That doesn't point anyone to anything. If it, it can, is it pointing to something? But if it's pointing to something about us that, that's good, it's pointing in the wrong direction. God is bringing us down a path. He's fulfilling us a calling. And, and when we feel this sense of loss, that's good news. When we feel like we're in a place of vulnerability, that's not bad news. That's good news. That's God preaching the gospel through us so that people will see his salvation and they will start to call upon the name of the Lord. And so what does this mean for us? He says, I will, ending verse 3, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. The reason why it's a blessing is that the world is thinking in terms of the blessing and the curse, the knowledge of good and evil. If I know what's good and I do it, then I will have the blessing. Then I will have all good things in my life. If I know how to approach life this right, if I know how to do this, if I know how to live my life, if I know that and insofar as I do it, then good things will be in my life. And then I will find protection. I will find salvation. But that only leads to cursing because we don't know what's the right thing. But even when we do, we don't do it. And even when we try to do it, there's always some way in which it is messed up. And even in or not, there's always someone more powerful that will overwhelm us. What's different is the gospel. And what's different about the gospel is understanding that, look, this talk of the blessing and the curse that's part of what just needs to be left behind. 
Why? Because us cursing people, what, what's cursing? We'll be looking at that in the gospel. It's belittling people, thinking, feeling as though we're being harmed, talking about people in a sort of gossip. There's all sorts of different ways that we follow down this avenue of the curse, thinking that someone's doing the wrong thing, that if they were to do this and doing this, meaningless. Doesn't change anything. The whole world's thinking that way. It's only resulting in making things worse for us. But what's a change? This is something that's a change. He says, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. It's a reiteration of what he had said earlier, but we have a clear picture now of what that means. We don't have any indication that Abram blessed people, was a blessing because he had something that he gave to someone other than he had salvation and people could see that. But what was the calling of Abraham? How did that work out in Abraham's life? This is pointing to the situation where of Sodom and Gomorrah or the people of Canaan, where God is going to destroy them and Abram barters for their lives. And, and out of them, some are saved again. But it's this idea that he's interceding for them. And this is, again, something that you see over and over again. We see it with Moses. The children of Israel entered into the promised land not because they followed God or because they were worshiping God the whole time. They weren't. They had brought along all the gods from Egypt. They entered in because Moses interceded on their behalf, and Moses cried out to God and said, God, forgive them. He said, God, you, you knew you were calling them to hear. You knew that the only way that they would get to where it is that you're taking them is if you forgave them, and so now you're not going to forgive them. Of course they don't deserve it, but you knew that ahead of time. You knew that where you were taking them was dependent on this forgiveness, and God heard Abram and forgave them. And that's what God is calling on us to do in whatever way it is. We've been talking about our spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It all gets worked out according to this same purpose, a purpose that points to Jesus and Jesus being our intercessor, interceding for us. And the Holy Spirit interceding for us with groanings too deep for words. We can't even express the way that the Holy Spirit is interceding for us. And so the path, well, how's the gospel being preached? It's by God moving us in a new direction that he will show us. That's often marked by us having to let go of some things we don't want to let go of. It, it, it progresses as we... It's made clear that the great thing that what we should be looking at is the great way in which the Lord is saving us uh, apart from whatever it is we do. And that changes our role, that now our role is no longer about this blessing and the curse and preaching that and telling people, here's how you should live your life and, and looking at our life and trying to make people live like us. It's about us just plain interceding on their behalf us saying to God, like, well, I don't know whether they did the right thing or not, but they need your salvation right now. They need help. They're in this situation, and you've saved me. You've given this to me, and I didn't deserve it. You've given it to me on the basis of forgiveness. Why can't you give it to them? And if they need to, uh, 
do as Moses did. There's no indication that anyone in Israel asked for forgiveness, but Moses asked for them because he was attached to them and he was the representative of them. And as all it takes is one person representing them. And that's what God is bringing us into people's lives for, to be that source, to start praying for people. So instead of feeling a sense of loss, instead of worrying about this place of vulnerability, instead of talking about what we have or haven't done wrong or this or that, God's calling us, no, the great blessing that God has for us is about a calling where he is going to show us something, where he is going to save us. And now from that, from the place that he's showing us, the place that he is saving us, we can now just be an intercessor for people. We can just pray for people. We can just help people in whatever way. We can just say, God, don't just save people from this situation, but set us on this new path as you've set me on. Help them to grab a hold of the calling that they have as you've led me down that path. And let us do that together. Uh, I'm going to pray right now. And if you have never, you're sort of at that beginning part of the journey where you know that Jesus is there. You're feeling something about Jesus in your heart and you just don't know how to proceed. The first thing we do is just let go of, of the idea that I'm going to be able to do it on my own and just ask for forgiveness. Repent. And if you'd like to start this new journey with Jesus and you'd like to start to see this calling that Jesus has on your heart and you'd like to see that confirmed and you'd like to move into the greatness of the salvation that Jesus is giving, uh, you can pray with me and accept Jesus as your Savior. Uh, let's pray together. Uh, Jesus, uh, for anyone who's asking for your salvation right now to follow you, to have this new start in your salvation, responding to the gospel. I pray that you would forgive them their sins. I pray that they would be able to see your salvation. I pray that you would encourage them, and I pray that you would give them that gift of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would bring them into your family and into us as a church and help us pursue our callings together in a way that's encouraging interceding for each other. We ask this now in your name, Jesus. Amen.